What's new? What's new? Welcome back to another music interview. I'm Justin, the Floor God. This is the So Who's Up Next podcast, the show of curious conversations, speaking with artists and people in the music space about ideas that inspire. Rain Christian is up next and proof that having a rise and grind mentality can really work for you so long as you're aware of the balance it requires. Rain told me that there's value in contemplation and really researching what you're going to do before you do it. But there's also immense value from on-the-job learning, pulling a Nike, and just doing it. Knowing the rules of the game is important, but you can't get any deeper intuition for how to actually play the game unless you get your reps in at practice. A big idea from our talk was that you don't need perfection, you don't even really need mastery so long as you show up over and over again so you can continue to grow as an artist. This was just one of the many interesting takes, some hotter than others, that are in this episode, so let's get into it. Rain Christian, nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I'm from a smaller town in Illinois called Morris, but I just moved to Chicago in the last year. I graduated from college in Naperville, Illinois, and then I was like not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I was always pretty smart. So I took the LSAT exam, which is the law school admissions exam. And I got into like six law schools. And then I moved to the city because I'm going to law school. So that's like what I do during the fall and and spring is full-time student. That's originally why I moved actually. And I've been here with two roommates that also go to law school. Are you going to do like entertainment law or what, what field do you know? I keep telling everybody that I'm hoping, so I have two years left. I just Mm. finished my first year and I'm hoping that in two years, by the time I'm done, the decision to choose between music and law will be an easy choice. I want it to be so crystal clear the path that I have to take, whether it be, you know, the field of law or, you know, this kind of music journey. Cause you know, like I've only started taking it seriously in January Mm. and I've sort of figured out what that means. And this summer is really when I started like grinding, like how I want to grind. And now I'm like addicted to the lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, I've drastically changed my appearance and like how I act. I've kind of like created this persona of Rain Christian. And now Rain, the lawyer, just isn't that appetizing anymore for me. So gotcha. I don't really know. I, of course, yeah. I think that if I have to choose, I'd want to go into like entertainment and like music law. I'm currently taking like copyrights and intellectual property. But it's all boring. I have a lot of friends, of course, that are I have a lot of friends that are currently doing legal jobs and and, uh, working right now. Mm. And I just listen to them talk about their days. It's like, oh, yeah, I had to write three memos. And I went to the, you know, the post office dropped off. I'm like, just shoot me like (laughs) I just make some songs, man. Yeah. Everybody gets so mad, too. When I tell them, like what I've been doing all summer, I'm like. I've just been smoking weed and making music. Every yeah. Day, man. Yeah. That, that's, like, the oh life. that's the life. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. To some extent I can relate. Um, I remember all throughout high school, I wanted to be a lawyer. I did the speech and debate program. I was in the law program. I was like dead set on doing the law thing. And then I got to college and found music and I, I just fell in love with it. And now we're here and now I have a podcast. It's just completely out of my mind at this point. So yeah, I started doing music <laughs> like seriously in, in college. And I put out a couple songs. I put out an album my senior year of college college and i kind of told myself like the last song i put out before i moved to chicago was called uh, no such thing as goodbyes and that was basically a song about how like goodbyes suck i remember posting on my instagram and my facebook because at the time i was just really putting stuff out from my f- friends and family and i was like this is my last song like i was convinced that 
when I moved to Chicago, I was going to quit music a hundred percent, like just stop. But then I met CJX like the first week of moving here. He also goes to law school and we wrote a song that night. We wrote wake up and we've been making music together ever since on and off, like in different capacities, but he kind of saved, you know, the dream for me and kind of molded it into something more than it was when I first arrived here. Yeah. So two notes, they're both on kind of this rebranding idea. Cause earlier you mentioned that you drastically changed your look when you started taking it seriously. So I first want to know who you were before you were like, I'm Rain Christian, the musician. Who were you whenever you were kind of still flopping in between worlds? Well, so Rain Christian is actually my real name. My real name is Rain. So Rain Christian is my middle name. So the other personality, or I guess like what I'd say when I'm off, is rain and my last name the funny thing is is that when i first started taking music seriously i had like a mental breakdown and i was like nobody's gonna listen to my music because i'm rain the lawyer like Mm -hmm. nobody's gonna find that interesting and entertaining and that guy's boring and i had like an identity crisis i was like i was like looking at all these other artists and looking at how dramatic their appearances was and i just never expressed myself in that way so i wanted to keep doing something and so i got the earrings that's the first thing was the earrings the cross earrings even just putting those on you know just kind of changed my mind like i would walk down the street and i'd feel different and then it evolved to like i changed my style i started wearing different clothes you know i used to dress in like very preppy suits and ties like i loved suits and now i hate wearing any kind of button-ups and stuff they kind of annoy me now and so what i think is crazy it's like this summer when i started really just being like i'm rain christian the artist i'm gonna start doing music all summer i'm gonna grind now i really don't think that there is anybody else but rain christian Hmm. inside of me this is just who i am now which is maybe a good thing or a bad thing i think what scares me right now is going back to law school having to remove my nail polish, take out the earrings and kind of be this kind of very professional, studious student again, mm-hmm. you know, cause I haven't known what that is in like three or four months now. I mean, in that way, it kind of feels like a, almost like a superhero, you know, type deal by day. You're this Clark Kent type or can be this Clark Kent type. And then at night you're Superman or rain Christian, you know, one in the same. Why not? I think you have to, because so my dad was on rate is on the radio. He's mm-hmm. been on the radio. He goes by Penrod now. And it, and this kind of idea of creating a character where you, when there's no bounds, you know, like you can be outlandish and say things that you wouldn't normally say. Mm-hmm. I think it's given me and my dad more confidence in ourselves. You know, when I'm on stage or when I'm performing or I'm in the booth, I'm rain Christian. And it's kind of like this out of body. It's like the blame is not, on rain the lawyer anymore Mm -hmm. you know so i think it's really good for me at least you know i I haven't always been the most confident person like i think like a year ago if you were to tell me that i'd be posting like three times a week on videos of myself singing in my bedroom uh i would be like that's super cringe i would never do something like that (laughs) but now i look forward to doing it like every day you know it's one of my favorite things no that's crazy so you ever watch how i met your mother i have seen a couple of episodes yeah barney has this phrase suit up when he's trying to do something awesome he's always like suit up the rest of the guys either do or don't most times they don't but that kind of reminds me of that whole concept um kind of in reverse though as far as the aesthetic (laughs) from the suit to i guess like cool guy clothes or just streetwear and so in that way it, it seems to me like as you were taking more steps to become an artist or to look the part you kind of fell more and more into that lifestyle and now it's just kind of i don't want to say brainwashed because that's the wrong word but it's definitely taking you to a different place mentally yeah. and help that shift from before uh, maybe like i couldn't have done this to now like you're full-fledged 
But the other part of that, right. the role of not only like your internal kind of dialogue there, but also an external one with CJAX. So tell me what that interaction, at least in the beginning, was like and how did you develop that relationship? Right when we moved to the city, my roommates and I were like, let's have a party, of course. Like we have this nice place. Let's have a bunch of people over. So we threw this party and I had actually talked to him on Facebook like over the summer because I was looking for a roommate and I'd sent him a place and it was like, I don't know if it was out of his budget or he just didn't vibe with me, but he ghosted me after I <laughs> sent him like what I wanted to live in and what my budget was. Mm -hmm. And I never talked to him again. And then he showed up at my place and I'm like, you're, you're CJX, right? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. Are you rain? I was like, yeah, man. And we just hit it off. We went to my bedroom. He had a beat that he had made like months ago. He pulled it up on the drive in this room. And I just came up with the hook that day. And you know, that song ended up changing a lot from the very start of it, but we still ended up keeping the hook of course, and keeping like the general theme of it. And since then he helped me produce my entire first EP called new city, same feelings. So then I wrote the next EP. I did all of that by myself. I produced all the beats and kind of wrote the instrumentals. And then I wrote, you know, lyrics to that. And this EP's kind of production is I send him all the stems and the ideas, and then he takes it, he makes what I want, and then he adds his own touch and he makes it better. Of course, he's always adding to it. And then the songs that I'm writing right now, which I think are my best, are from a bunch of different producers. I think that having that kind of consistency with each project is, is super important. I'm trying to do each project all the same way. The relationship now, like he's starting to put out his own music. He's going to be releasing some music himself, which is a very unique ghost main suicide boys oh, influenced nice. uh, trap rock. So now I'm kind of filling this role with him of being, you know, his kind of like manager of like, this is what you should put this out. You know, this is how you should promote it. It's good to have somebody who can ground you and be like, you know, when I'm having a bad day, he he picks me up. When he's not feeling as confident in a mix, I say, like, you got this. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I had to do all of this on my own, I would have quit, like, five months ago. Like, it's it's just too stressful, and you just get too in your own head. You need somebody else who's going to constantly kind of be there. And this kind of idea of growing together, you know, yeah. is a is a good dream. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, too, collaboration is something that's been super key. But also something I haven't realized until relatively recently, but the power of just more perspective is super underrated. Definitely hop on that to as much extent as possible. You said with this new stuff, you're working with a lot more people. What are some of the problems with having like too many cooks in the kitchen if you've experienced it yet? So I think that I try to eliminate that problem from the get just with my work style and my workflow. I even encounter too many cooks in the kitchen problems with CJX. <laughs> you know, I think the problem is like, when you have two very type A musicians, the reason why like we don't really make beats together anymore is because we feel so confident in our own particular sound that kind of meeting in the middle is tough to do. You know, he wants the song to go this direction. I just don't feel that vibe. So I think that's why we haven't really been making new music. So I've taken that kind of perspective into working with new artists. And my writing style is very actually solo. I try to make a song first. Give me the beat, give me the lyrics that you have, the hook, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Send that all to me, and I will fill in the gap with the best work that I can give you. And to me, I like that a lot better. I don't really like to be sitting down making the decisions with somebody else along the way. Mm -hmm. I'd rather get something that's almost done and finish it or get something that's almost done and send it to somebody. 
for that exact reasons. Cause I feel like art is very personal and that's not to say I won't take any critiques or comments. You know, usually at that phase, when I've already finished, it's like, I'm going to send it to you. Let me know what you think. And if you want to change anything, let me know. But the kind of like decisions you make along the way of making a song, I feel like are very intuitive. Sometimes they're not really thought out kind of what the vibe is. And sometimes when two people or multiple people are in the room, they're just not all feeling the same thing that you're feeling. You know, my music is very deep and emotional to me. Every kind of song that I write has some kind of connection to an experience that I went through. And I try to be very metaphorical in my lyrics because I am a kind of nerd when it comes to lyricism. Like I like deep diving into people's lyrics and being like, Oh, what, what did he mean when he said this? You know, I like Mm -hmm. doing that same kind of thing. So when having somebody in the room, they're just not thinking about what I'm thinking. I relate to that completely. It is easier to fill in gaps because you can identify that missing puzzle piece based on everything else around it. When you're crafting at least the the production side of whatever you're making, how do you approach making a song? I think that it it's different for every song. There was an episode that you had a little while, while ago where you were talking about writer's block. And I think for me right now, I've been doing these fake features on TikTok. I'll find a song... I'll strip the vocals from it and I'll write my own verse. So I've been writing almost a verse every other day or every day I've been writing for like the past two weeks. I think it's pretty crazy. Like I don't feel writer's block necessarily. What I find is that a song comes to me. I don't go to the song or I don't make a song. The song comes from me. I either hear an instrumental or I'll hear a sample and I kind of build the whole song almost at once. Like when I produce myself, I basically am writing the hook. And as soon as I have the instrumental, I'm already thinking of the hook and I just kind of mumble words Mm -hmm. and that turns into the hook. I think like personally, what I struggle with right now is that I think that I'm a very talented writer, but I think I can get a lot better. But I think the only thing that is going to make me better is somebody else who's very talented looking at my lyrics and just being like, you know, this line is really cool, but it'd be a lot cooler if you just changed this word. Mm Kind of like, you know, when you send your, papers to be proofread right that's what i need it's like a proofreader i guess i have no rhyme or reason like i kind of just i feel it more than i think of it and i think that you know using substances has helped me quite a lot usually if i'm having like a tough time like i'll just take a little hit of the pen and then uh see that where it takes me but yeah it's more of a feeling more than anything i listen to a lot of music i think i listen to like music all day and mm-hmm. so you kind of just are always in the zone when it comes to that i feel like if people try to force it, you don't get the kind of product that you are going to get when somebody feels it. What I find now is that I don't write a lot of songs for myself doing these fake features. You know, I'm constantly writing verses, but when I do write a song, it's always better than the last one. Hmm. So there might be weeks, there might be two days, like from some of the demos that I sent you, like there was like two or three days between one of those songs. But for some of them, it was like, there was like three weeks. But I think that each of those, I write them all in one session. Like I, I don't leave a session without finishing the song all the way through. Wow. That's one other thing. I, I get it all done in one sitting. And usually like for the last demo that I had, it's called uh, Be Here Tonight. I wrote all of that in one session, like two hours. I wrote that song. And I think it's my best. I don't feel the emotion to like sit down and recreate the same magic. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just the magic will, will happen. I just got to trust the process in that sense. Yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned magic because I read this book a while ago and I may have touched on it before on the show, but it's called Big Magic. Uh, The author, Elizabeth Gilbert, talks about this concept that you're echoing to a T of the music isn't 
me. It's like the spirit of creativity like flows through you kind of. You're like a conduit for that imagination, for that magic to just flow through and being open and trusting for the vibe to allow it to take you wherever it wants to go. Because from the sound of it, um, it seems like you're just letting the song happen. You know, like, like you said, when you're mumbling, you know, you use the first kind of thing you intuited, I guess, from whatever the vibe is. That's something I personally almost never do, I want to say, just because I'm like even more tedious than I would like about, you know, picking every right word and making sure all the phrasing is correct and getting the right take. And for me, it's a very lengthy process because I think it's really interesting that you have the discipline and the ability to get it all done in one sitting. Because for me, it's like the complete opposite. I, I get maybe a phrase or two that I like, then I sit on it for maybe a week and then I come back to it. Creativity comes in waves. And that's something that, that I hear you saying perfectly. Um, so whenever you catch one, you got to ride it as far as it'll take you. I also find too, especially during like school, it's that like music is definitely the hobby. It's the escape. And especially during law school, you really don't have a whole lot of time if you want to stay on top of all your readings and your assignments. So you have to find the couple of hours. And what I find is that, like, let's say I have like four hours in between a class and I want to make something. I just want to be creative. I feel so pressured to get it done because I know that I have class in like four hours. So I just go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like overdrive. Like, I feel like I work better under that kind of time crunch. And then when summer started, it was like I had all day to make something. Like the first couple of weeks of summer were terrible because I had no structure. I could do whatever I want when I wanted and it's like I wanted to do music, but I had all day to do it. So then you just get lazy. Hmm. So I've started recently being like, okay, I'm going to work on this from like 12 to 3 is going to be my music session a day. And that kind of just giving myself like you're going to be done at 3 gives me this kind of like urge to finish and get it done. Hmm. And the other thing I was going to say too with lyrics, kind of mumbling, I think it shocks me more and more what the subconscious kind of thinks of. Because I think a lot of times when I write, it's very random and off the cusp it's whatever feels or sounds cool but when i go back and i read the lyrics from start to finish and i read it through this lens of what is the metaphor you know what is the story i'm trying to tell mm -hmm. i'm always pretty baffled that the story that my subconscious was telling the entire time yeah. that i just didn't see until i did this kind of reflection you mm -hmm. know i think that even things that don't that feel meaningless like if you go on genius and some guys like i just thought it sounded cool yeah. i think that you can always find meaning in, in something. So I try to do that. For sure. And whether you prescribe it or not after the fact, it's amazing how much sense dreaming can make too. I mean, when you wake up and you're back to reality, only then do you realize, hey, that was kind of weird. But in the moment, it kind of all makes sense. And so in that way, I, I kind of see a similarity between like the feeling and then of actually like getting it done with the feeling using the subconscious as well, kind of coinciding. Yeah. That's super cool. That's, that's a great way that to think great, about it. That I know that you're opening my mind just as much. <laughs> Tell me about your EP that's out right now. New city, same feelings. By the way, you talk about lyrics. I'm sure this one's narratively packed. So what's the story behind it? So new city, same feelings was my first EP. And the reason why I called it new city, same feelings is because I was moving to Chicago and I thought that moving to Chicago was going to change my world, reinvent me. Looking back now, I think it actually did. But at the time when I was writing those songs, I didn't feel different. And I think that I just needed to be patient because now I do feel a lot different. But when I was writing those songs, you know, in, in college, I found music from 
expressing my emotions and what I was going through. And the album that I put out in college was like all produced by me in my college dorm. It's up on my SoundCloud. It's all terrible. You can go listen to it. It was called Something for Everyone. And the point of that album was I did like country music. I did spoken word. I did pop. I did like indie rock. I tried everything Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what kind of music I fit into, like what genre. And I love all kinds of music. New City Same Feelings was C. Jax's way of introducing me to Rain Christian, the pop artist, Mm. and the kind of hip-hop rapping kind of scene. So it was very new for me to write so fast and to kind of be on these beats. I think the songs are very good. There's a couple of good ones. I think my favorite is, of course, Adore is probably my favorite, but it's very commercial and poppy. And the new EP that's coming out, I think, is pretty good, too. But I think I'm always going to think that my work is pretty good. I think the beauty is that somebody else, you might think it's the best thing that you've ever heard, even though I don't think that it's my best work anymore. There's always going to be somebody who's going to love it. So I don't want to sit here on this podcast and be like, don't listen to that stuff. It's it's not my best work. Just wait, because you might really, you know, fuck with it. I listen to those songs now. I'm like, man, like I could have did this. I could have did this. I could have did this. Mm -hmm. And the EP that's about to come out, um, which I won't tell you the name of because I I'm, I haven't dropped the name yet. Yeah. But the next EP that comes out in October is very heavily inspired by this artist named Slim, who I met uh, through TikTok as well. It's very kind of indie pop, bedroom pop. You know, it's very oh, wow. chill pop is what I would call it. So it's yeah. drastically different from the the previous uh, stuff that's on Spotify. And I wrote all that stuff because I was heavily inspired by Slim and I was going through this kind of like, okay, you know, I want to just chill. I want to make some like, I want to remove as many elements from the instrumental as I can, because I felt like new city, same feelings was very busy and chaotic. Mm, Yeah. So the next EP is very dumbed down, but the stuff that I'm writing right now, because I brought in so many other producers, I brought making stuff myself, but I'm also getting beats from people I've met on YouTube. I got uh, one song is from uh, a guy I went to high school with that has allowed me to explore more styles with all being in the same genre. I feel like now going back to the writing process a bit, it's like, I feel like if I were to make every song from start to finish, it would sound all the same. Me being the center point of having a lot of different producers on an EP gives it a kind of diversity that's anchored in something that is consistent, which is, which is my personality and myself. Right. But I think the new stuff that I'm writing is, you know, doing these fake features and writing all these songs is very good because it's made me a lot better at my at my skill. But what I will say is that it's kind of set me behind. What I was feeling and the person that I was when New City came out is not who I was uh, when I was writing them. And the same goes for this other EP. I caution other people to get so far ahead in terms of the writing process that like to create such a backlog mm. because the person that I am right now when all these songs are coming out is not quite the same. And that's really hard to to get by as an artist. Like, I want to put out what is me, but I also realize that I might not be able to write a song next week or in two weeks. So I like having such a backlog because I know that there's always going to be content for the next seven months. And yeah. all I have to do is just be consistent and, and do the marketing. But it's tough to, to like, I bet. sit on something. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I know what that's like. With my last stuff, I, I sat on like one or two of the songs for like a year because I didn't have the full project done because like I said, it takes me forever. But same boat, you know, and I feel like it's a struggle every artist has to deal with, which is good because uh, as you progress, you look back and with a bigger and bigger frown, you know, on all your stuff. It's like, dang, why, why did I 
do that to this one thing or why did I have this one yeah. snare, you know? At the same time, it's proof that you're growing. There is that pressure to want to show up in your, I guess, final form, we could say, or most recent form, you know? Yeah. The, the other thing too is that, especially where I'm at, having so many songs backlogged, is that mentally I feel ready to take it to the next step of my career. But I don't think that the music that's coming out is caught up to that mm -hmm. yet. So that's one of the problems too, is like, I want to give you my best, but I think that you have to see the process and you have to see the journey of how I'm going to get to that point. So I've kind of dialed back. And one of the reasons why I've been doing the fake features is because it distracts me from making original stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of slowing me down. So that way things can get kind of caught up. I'm hoping that the stuff that I'm writing right now, I have like five songs that I've written in the past two months, which I think are really good. And I sent you a link to that. And it's called for the labels. I put it in a playlist and I call it for the labels. Cause mm -hmm. I think that, they are label quality, but I still think that the other songs are good and they still relate to a lot of things I was going through emotionally, but they're not ready for the big leagues, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, you got to get them out of the way because you maybe owe yourself that, you know, cause I, the way I kind of see it is like the stuff you're making now is in constant dialogue with the past, whether you like it or not. Cause in the same way you're looking at your backlog being like, Oh, this is questionable. You know, <laughs> um, that's why I haven't removed any of the songs off my SoundCloud. Cause yeah. even though they're absolutely terrible, like there's songs from like 2018 on there, I think. Mm -hmm. And they're recorded in my dad's basement on like a, you know, a handheld mic. They would rip your ears to shreds. Nice. But I keep them up there because it's a time capsule. You know, it's a way for me to go back and for the fans to go back and be like, you know, this is, this is the journey, you know, from, uh, from rain. And I wish that more artists kind of did that. I, I look at a lot of artists that are on the come up and they're constantly taking down Instagram posts because mm. they're not professional quality. They're not, you know, what they want people to see. Right. And I, I'm starting to get that more having like studied the game a bit. You know, I do think that you have to do your cleanup every once in a while. But I also am a huge proponent of you should let people see what it was like in the past, because mm -hmm. I think that people will appreciate your music or whatever you're doing when they can go back and they can see where you started compared to where you are now. 100%. Like, that's why I like interviews so much. I mean, uh, this isn't me being biased towards what I do here, but <laughs> just watching other interviews, noticing, I guess, because in the same way, it's like a time capsule, but it's capturing all their thoughts instead. And I think that's way cooler in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, in different ways, but, you know, obviously having a backlog of music like that too is really cool. I wish that for bigger artists, like I know you really like Post Malone, Kid, Kid Leroy, Juice, you know, um, they have a lot of video stuff out, but they don't have like vlogs. You know what I mean? or maybe they do, but in not like a large quantity, I wish that every artist, and this is something that I've been meaning to do, but I definitely need to hop on. Cause I think it's a cool concept of just taking people along the whole journey, whatever that means. You know, if you're in law school right now, you're kicking it like that, throw out your cell phone, you know, maybe make a TikTok of like one minute, you know, super short vlog. Like this is a day in the life. I'm making music at night, but by day, you know, I'm a student doing all these things. And I feel like that's super relatable, but to see more of that from, more artists, I think would be a really, really interesting shift. I think that most people don't do it. It's just because they don't want to give too much. They want to keep some things to themselves. You know, when I think of Post Malone and Kid Leroy, like I saw, I just saw like some guy got his Kid Leroy like tag on him. I think it's crazy. Yeah. CJX and I have talked numerous times about like, you know, being optimistic. Like if we were to blow up, there is a certain level of fame that I would like to reach and I wouldn't want to go past. Hmm. Like, I don't think I could ever see myself being like a Post Malone Kid Leroy. 
you know, I don't really want to have this kind of global recognition. I just know that like, I would feel pretty uncomfortable and I want to give, 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 but you can only give to so many people at, you know, at one time, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a kind of like baseline of like, when I get to this point, I would be content, you know, or at peace, I think is a better word with where I'm at. And I feel like post and Kid Leroy, I feel like all of their fans, all 90 million, whatever it was, would all love to see what he's doing every single day. But sometimes I feel like it can just get kind of bombarding. You know, I just want to have something to myself, you know, that that is not in the public eyes. So I can see that too. I think for me though, it's just like, it's a weird trade-off because, you know, you were saying like, you, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what it's like in law school. But I feel like being an artist and being who I am, I have a very different opinion about law school than my fellow students. Mm-hmm. I think law school is actually very easy. <laughs> and I don't really feel like I put in a whole lot of effort into my studies. Mm-hmm. And like, t- I don't think I take law school very seriously, but I'm in the top 25% of my class. Nice. I just made law review. I'm doing very well. So it's really hard for me to like walk around and be like, law school is very easy, everybody. Like you should go to law school because it's like not that as difficult when there's like people in my class who are genuinely struggling right. every day. Right. So I kind of feel censored. Like I, I really don't tell a lot of people that I think it's easy. I would never mm. say that to like a group of people, you know, right. they might just get pissed. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I think yeah. it's easy, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, it, it takes all kinds, you know, and people have an aptitude for different kinds of things. You and I share the music, but for some people it's law, for some people it's physics. So, True. I mean, that, that just boils down to who you are and, and what you're capable of. I, I'm with you on the, I wouldn't rub it in people's faces, but no, I, it's weird though. You know, it's hard. It is weird. I think for you, it's like with editing and, you know, it's like, if you see, if somebody like sends you some kind of video that they made, you know, and you're like, damn, this, this is not that great. It's like, it's hard to be like, take all your experience, something that you think is easy and give them the kind of uplifting nature that they need to keep mm-hmm. on going, but also be kind of genuine. In some right. self. I really don't like people who are fake, of course, but I have really learned to watch what I say mm-hmm. and talk to people in a way that is uplifting, but also is critique, you know, kind of sandwiching that kind of stuff. For sure. I think that's a really difficult line to kind of balance yourself because I, I used to do like a lot of music reviews and occasionally I'll, I'll do them now. And it's always hard for me with all the production stuff that I've learned now. And I'm still like not super great. Right. I think I'm just decent, but it's all my experience, all my perspective. So I tell people, hey, take this advice or critique with a grain of salt because I'm just a dude on the Internet at the end of the day. Right. My, my, I have no weight no real weight, you know, or I shouldn't have any real weight. But at the same time, it's a very valuable kind of exchange there. You know, at the very least, when you're interacting with other people, I think it'd be good to always offer thoughts. You know, it doesn't have to be critiques. It could be like impressions. Let's shift to TikTok now. When you're looking to build community with people who you know their skill level isn't quite there yet, how do you like make sure that they're all right, I guess maybe is a way to phrase it or uh, feel welcome in your community that you're building. There's a couple of things there. So with TikTok, I actually really don't like posting on TikTok. Mm. I, I've enjoyed more making reels on Instagram because I feel like people interact more genuinely. And I feel like people on Instagram are there for the ride. People on TikTok are are there for the moment. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you look at all these TikTok accounts, you'll see like somebody has like 800,000 TikTok followers but they only have like 20,000 Instagram followers. And I think it's because the audience on TikTok is so 
fast. You know, you're there for like only a couple seconds. Mm. Like I, I know me personally, like I'm on my for you page, even though I'm following 200 people, I barely ever check my following section because I just want what's new, what other people could have seen. But I like the editing. I really you post on TikTok because I like all the editing features that you can do, like all the motion graphics. I think that one thing that separates my features is that if I just recorded myself doing the, the verse, I don't think anybody would really care. I try to do use my past, which is editing skills and video. Uh, I like doing animations and stuff. I try to use that to set myself apart. Mm-hmm. So your second question of like, how do I approach somebody who's I don't feel is at the same level? I don't think that I'm in a position yet to make that call. I've worked with a couple of people already who were just starting making music. And I know, I remember what it's like to start out. But I think the difference for me is I treat music like a business. I mm-hmm. treat it like it's my job. I think that's kind of what separates people. You can kind of tell when somebody has a lot of talent, but they just aren't taking it as seriously yet. And I just want to work with everybody right now. You know, I, I think that any kind of practice I can get, whether it's somebody who's just posting the song on YouTube or it's somebody who's trying to do this big promo campaign, I'd approach the song the exact same way. Mm. I give them my best effort because it's only going to make me better. And I think that when I give them my best effort, you are making that connection and they're going to remember that into the next. So whatever else they they end up doing, whether it be in the music industry or not, they're going to remember that you took it seriously enough to give them your full attention. You know, I think they'll give you that same respect back. I treat it the same. doesn't really matter who they are yet. The flip side of that, though, is can you possibly be concerned that you might be wasting time with people who aren't on the same path? Because, you know, something that, that I think a lot of people look out for, myself included, is that I only want to keep the uh, not not your inner circle, just people you interact with at least semi-regularly, maybe on collabs and stuff like that. Um, you want to keep those people around who are moving kind of in the same direction, have that drive also the talent, but also the dedication. So to take the idea of working with people who are maybe in it for the moment, I guess the TikTok artists, right? If we can even classify and consolidate those kinds of ideas, just taking someone who's momentarily a musician, do you feel like that time might be wasted in your 10,000 hours to mastery? Or do you think that the time might be better spent finding people who are in it for the long game? I don't think that it's time wasted just yet. Are you familiar with the app Vamper? Is that like the like Tinder for musicians type deal? And not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> it is like Tinder uh, for musicians. I would recommend it to people. I think I don't really use it personally too much because I find that it's a lot of marketing. But my producer uses it almost every day, like as if it is Tinder. Mm-hmm. And he uses it to get new clients. But then you have on the flip side is that you have people who are just doing it as a hobby. So that app in particular has taught me to separate those people. Mm. Like I don't want to work with people who just are taking it as a hobby because they, there is a business element. There is like this kind of like, I'm putting this out. It's going to make money. We need to figure out who's going to get that money. If you're cool with not getting any money, that's fine. Just don't be upset if it does really well, because I'm giving it a hundred percent of my effort, you know, and those people who are like taking it very seriously. The thing that I find, though, is uh, there was a guy that I had, I had met. He was a friend of, of CJax's. He's been posting a new song every week this year. I reached out to him, and I was like, yo, I'm trying to take this seriously. I'd really love to do a song because I really like your music. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that, to me, that's what it's all about. If I vibe with what you're putting out, then I want to work with you. So I sent him this email, and he's like, yeah, I'll do a feature for like 50 bucks. And that hit me. I understand that that's going to be the reality in the future, this kind of trade of monetary value. Mm-hmm. 
But at the end of the day, for me, like I still feel uncomfortable about getting money from making music. Mm. I feel very comfortable with getting money from merchandise and performing live because that's kind of a tangible thing. Mm-hmm. But just doing it, doing what I love, it's kind of a weird thing to get paid for that, you know? Yeah. So when he hit me, I was like, who are you, man? I, it takes me an hour, you know, and you want 50 bucks for your time. That concept's really crazy to me. So I find that it's a kind of weird thing. It's like, I want to find people who are doing music because they love to, but they're taking it seriously because it's it's all that they want to do. When I get hit with a guy who wants to do it, but he, he charges me for it, mm. I'm less inclined to work with those people. I would rather give somebody 70% of royalties than give them any money up front. Because I feel like when you get royalties from a song, you're invested in it. It's like a company. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're getting a kickback from how well the song does, then you're going to invest more into the promotion and, and right. the producing because it's only going to get as big as you push it, mm-hmm. right? But for like beats and stuff, if you get 25 bucks for a beat, like if I pay somebody, then that's it. Like, mm-hmm. especially at this stage of my career, you know, especially being a lawyer right now, I've, I'd be very conscious of the business side of things. And it's crazy how much money gets thrown around when you get up to the big, you know, the big, big leagues, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes like thousands of dollars. So I'm very conscious of that fact. I try to do my research and I try to get to know somebody before I sit down and make a song with them. But at the same time, I'm trying to build up my discography as much as anybody else. And so the song that's on YouTube is to me the same value as a song that's going to get a ton of promotion and ads and everything else. And I think the all the business kind of stuff that you were mentioning right there, the concept of paying for features isn't you know unheard of. People have done that since forever. But I think what that boils down to is maybe just like being confident in the work you put in and and being able to slap a dollar sign on it. Because at the end of the day, it can be both passion and, you know, business. Because if you want to, you know, label it as a business, I think you got to treat all aspects like it. And that's not to say there's there's a more or less value in doing paid features or not paid features. I personally really like the royalty idea because that's something that I've also thought about for a little bit, just because I think it's a better way to boost the actual plays. But I think that's also the difference between producers and artists. The producers, you know, more often than not, they're just making beats and they're in it for like, me, 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 let's just get this money and then on to the next client, I think is where they're at. With the artists, it's like you, you're also trying to get plays, you know what I mean? And that's a completely different landscape. So for a producer to get money up front is to deny the potential promotion in the future. But then on the flip side, it's like maybe they won't promote it if they get paid up front. It is weird because it's also a question of whether or not their heart's in it whenever you do pay them. You know what I mean? And I think that that I think you just hit the nail on the head because here's the thing. Going back to the confidence, when I first met this guy and he asked for 50 bucks, I was not that confident in myself as a writer, as a as an artist. Mm-hmm. I hadn't found myself. Now I am. Right. So now if somebody was like, yo, I'll pay you 50 bucks to, to do a song, I would do it, of course. I wouldn't say no. But the thing is, is I don't feel like I was paying him and I don't feel like I'm paying people for the work that they do. I feel like I'm paying them for their name. I just don't like this kind of like putting a value on somebody's fame or somebody's name branding yet. I don't feel like anybody who is doing this just starting out as the kind of I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't know if they have the right yet to be like, my name is worth X amount of dollars until they can get to a certain point in the career where it actually does. Yeah. I think that that's just why it rubbed me the wrong way. No, that makes sense. It's, it's kind of a cool, interesting thing to think about as well, because like I saw this tweet the other day, would you, you know, get, if you could a Justin Bieber feature and I would be like, yes, every single time. Why? Because his numbers are so big, but then you, Mm -hmm. you know, you decrease the scale a little bit 
maybe the line gets a little blurry, whether or not you're actually going to invest and do something like that, because it could be a hit. It could be a miss, you know, a year from now, you know, you could be doing great things. And I think you are, you know, hence why you're on the show. But at the same time, there is that small possibility that maybe you're just doing the lawyer thing, which is perfectly fine as well. There's no long-term investment in that either. And so it's like, you got to weigh all these options, especially at the smaller scale when it's like, are you up next or are you not up next? Damn, that should be your tagline. (laughs) We started this talk mentioning transformation where before you didn't know how to fully commit and then gradually over time you learn the skills develop the confidence as well as the look you've gotten to that kind of rock star lifestyle i guess here you are now 2021 you're confident in your abilities you're doing more things than ever before where do you want to go with your next two projects because you've been very tactical this entire talk which is awesome love talking about strategy with people it seems like you've got your next moves planned out. Where do you realistically see yourself at the end of dropping that second EP? I have actually had this conversation, this kind of conversation with, with CJX and my own family because you know, my family sees me as the lawyer. You know, when I got the earrings and I've been changing my looks, they've always, they're not really approving of it, but they support me as, you know, following my dreams. What I just told my dad, like literally a couple of weeks ago, is that I feel like the past year has been me practicing in this stadium or in the gym. I'm in the gym, you know, every day working out. I feel like right now, how I currently am, my mental state, I feel like I'm the 16th man on the bench of a basketball game. And I'm just waiting for coach to give me a shot. I feel like when he does give me a shot, I will wow the crowd and I'll score a couple points. I feel like I'm in a stage right now mentally where I'm ready for the big leagues and I'm just waiting for the right place, right time moment. I feel like everybody has one of those kind of moments in their life where they have multiple moments, you know, meeting a spouse, that's right place, right time. You know, these kind of like, you just had to be there and you had to take a chance and then it's going to spiral. So I feel like for me, the reason why I've been so tactical is when I started writing songs, I didn't think I was ready and I knew I wasn't ready. I've never wrote a song for the goal of it to blow up on TikTok or for the goal of it to go viral. I think going viral is actually very bad. I think that people get propelled into stardom and they get propelled into this field that they're not quite ready for yet. Mm-hmm. So I took the first two EPs, New City Same Feelings and the one that's going to come out in October. These are my EPs that I'm gearing up, I'm practicing. I feel like the third EP that you'll hear in January, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't even have a name for it yet. I think that it'll be the, really the start of the next phase of whatever I have going on. Hoping to kind of keep building momentum. I feel like with this next EP, I'm really trying to focus on grassroots growth. I've been doing a lot of the consistent videos, interacting with fans. I've been doing uh, brand awareness ads, which I'm sure are very annoying for anybody who's checked out my Instagram. You'll probably be able to get one <laughs> here in a bit. I took a class from this guy named, uh, it's DKMBA. I forget what his, his actual name is. I can look it up, uh, but he's a YouTuber. And I was like, man, am I really going to pay $250 to to watch some videos online? I was like, dad, do you you think this is a meaningful investment? And he said, you can't put a price tag on you learning something. If you learn something, you know, you have to ask yourself if what you learned was worth the money that you paid. So I paid the 250 bucks and I spent like two and a half weeks watching these lectures essentially on how to grow on social media and how to brand yourself as an artist and grow. And I think I did get my money's worth actually within reason i think that the first like couple hours was very meaningful and then the rest of the videos like right now i just have a bunch of like random lectures to watch Hmm. i don't think that's really worth 250 bucks but the point i'm trying to make is like i've been trying to lay the foundation and, and get a sense of the entire industry 
so that when the coach does call me from the end of the bench, I'm fully prepared and there's no kind of anxiety about moving forward. I, I going back to what I was talking about at the beginning, it's like, I want the decision to be easy. I want it to be an easy choice at the end. I don't want to have any kind of hesitation for when the moment comes that the next stage of my career. I actually just sent a song to Johan Lennox. Do you know who Johan is? I don't. You should look him up. He's a strings producer. He, uh, but he's all starting to become an artist himself. He's he's made strings from Migos and like oh, wow. Kanye West. Damn. He's huge. Wow. He has a Discord right now, which unfortunately everybody just uses to get your music in front of him. Right. The point of it is for him to interact with his fans and to kind of build a kind of super fan base, mm-hmm. which I am I, I see through the mesh, right? But I sent him my song, and he said it was very generic and very like mainstream, which I think it is. He said, "Yeah, kind of everybody's doing that right now, but the." flip side of that coin is that you'll always find an audience because that's what's popping right now. You know, it's not unique and interesting. And he said that the first phase of whatever I do will probably be pretty successful. That was really nice to hear from him. But I think that that's all I'm really looking for right now is that Mm -hmm. I'm not really thinking that far in the future because I don't really feel like I found my sound that makes me quite unique yet. But I feel like the first phase of what I have going on is very well thought out and very detailed and and i i do think that you know he's right that i think the first phase of whatever i'm going to end up doing is going to be pretty successful and i hope that once that phase is kind of coming to a complete that i will have the right people around me who can take me to the next phase you know or i'll have the experience to, to do that myself it's a an interesting concept to be sitting down on that bench um and be idle and that's one thing but from the sound of it you know you're stretching you're you're doing your thing you're getting warm so that when you get called into play, you'll definitely be ready to go. But it's also the worst feeling. I think it's also <laughs> the, it's the worst. Like, I know that I've, it's like, coach, I've been practicing like the same amount as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like I've been grinding coach. You know, all you have to do is all you, it's like the, the crappy thing is that it feels like it's somebody else's choice right mm-hmm. now. I feel like currently I've been busting my ass for the past like month and a half, which mm-hmm. isn't a long time. There's people who bust their ass for years, but it, I think that a lot of artists can probably relate to this. It's like, I feel like I'm doing everything that I can and it's not getting me the results that I quite want yet. So it feels like I'm just waiting for somebody else to, to take the chance, you know, for instance, like you taking the chance to bring me onto this podcast, like this is monumental for me. These kind of moments are the things that I, I crave and I wait for. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody else being that what I'm doing, I'm on to something and taking that chance. I've been sending a lot of DMS to, to bloggers and to artists that I want to work with who are much bigger than me. And I kind of just, end it with take a chance you know that's the thing it's like right now i don't have anything to offer to anybody but my talent and my my thoughts unfortunately i'm the type of guy that if you stick with me right now i will feed you until the day you die like i i remember people even from grade school and i still check up on people who never really check up on me but i'm just that type of person cjax uh there's this guy named cam slim you know, you, for instance, all these people who have given me a chance, given me, you know, you said that I believe in what you're doing. I remember that shit. And I will remember that until whatever stage of my career it is, whether it be a lawyer or a musician, I want to be the helper as much as people help me. I think that's it. Oh my God, dude. The words, man. Great, great words. All I can say. Before we get into Rain Christian's advice for emerging artists, just want to let you know that if you wanted to listen to Rain Christian's music, 
and or connect with them on socials. Links are going to be in the description down below. If you're on YouTube, do me a favor and let me know in the comments whether or not you noticed a shift in your own personality when you really commit to being an artist. Something that I realized was after I dropped my first collection of songs, I proved to myself, hey, I could do this. Afterwards, every single time I said, hey, I'm going to make music, it was definitely a huge confidence boost. And so overall, that probably helped with my own artistry and just day-to-day -day life as well. But that's something you have to lean into. So I'm wondering what your stories are. Let me know in the comments and I'll be sure to check it out. Now for some advice. What advice do you have for emerging artists wanting to take their sound to the next level? I've been waiting for this question, actually. I've thought about this question, having watched other episodes. And there's two pieces of advice. One of them is from my dad. And the other one I just saw in a Hot Ones episode. Nice. I'll start with the one that's not mine. That I forget what the actor is. He was the he's the cop in Stranger Things. I feel bad that I don't remember. David Harbor. David Harbor. David Harbor just said in a Hot Ones episode that if you're pursuing a a career in the arts, only do it if you have to. And I didn't really understand what he meant until you kind of explained it, of course. But now I relate to that so much, especially being somebody who's doing law school too. It's like. At first, when I started doing music, I did it because I wanted to make music. But now I feel like I'm doing it because I absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. I can't see myself as a lawyer anymore. Uh, I don't know what my life looks like if I'm not doing this. So I'm doing music right now because it's literally the only thing that I have left. I have to do this. So if you feel like you're doing music right now because you want to or because it's fun, I think you'll find success, but you won't find the same kind of success until it becomes the absolutely necessary thing that you need to do in order to survive in life. So that was, that's his advice, but that's just my take on it. My advice is in my Instagram bio. It's something that my parents have instilled in me since I was a kid. They've supported me every step of the way. And they always tell me, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I strongly believe in that. I think that every step of the way in my life, things that I've wanted to do, if I really put my you know, my mind to it, I, I achieved it. I wanted to make videos on YouTube. Like when I was 16, I was making Minecraft videos. And I was like, mom, I really want to make Minecraft videos. And they bought me a brand new PC, a green screen. I saved up money and I bought myself a webcam and a microphone and I did it. And I grew that to like a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Cringy content, but we talk about time capsules. It's all still there. Yeah. The next thing is like, I wanted to go to college. So I put my my mind to it. I got good grades and I went to college. The next thing I was like, I want to start my own club. And I started a philosophy club. So the point is, is like, I had this conversation with my grandfather. It's like, there is a physical kind of deterioration. It's like, I can't put my mind to being an NBA basketball player. I physically am like five, seven. So there's no way I'm going to be in the NBA shooting hoops. But I think any kind of thing that's mental, whether it be, you know, I want to run my own business or I want to start out my own podcast. I want to be a musician. If you put your mind to it, I genuinely believe that you, you can do it. And I think it's having that faith in yourself and finding people who have that faith in you. I always say the word gung-ho. I love that word, gung-ho. Find the people that are gung-ho about you, who are gung-ho, they'll do anything to help you succeed. And be gung-ho about other people as well. And I think that that's the key to success.